0: If you're part of the drama, you can come on up. Uh, Our scripture today comes from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So if you'd like to follow along, it's on page 993 in this Bible. Otherwise, you can watch. From Jonah, chapter 3, 1 through 10. I think we're almost ready. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go all through it. Jonah started into the city, going a day's journey. And he proclaimed to the people, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When this news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the, de- by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, guys.
1: All right, good morning. My name is Sam Lee, and I'm a recent graduate of Calvin Theological Seminary, and I'll be working here at Creston as a pastoral intern beginning this fall. My wife Hannah and I, were currently in Indianapolis for Hannah's pastoral internship for the summer, but we will be coming back at the end of August. But it's an honor and pleasure to share God's Word with you this morning. Uh, so the title of today's message is Fishy Obedience. It's been less than seven weeks since I've been married. And they say that you know that you're still newly married when you're still counting the days. So I've been married <laughs> 49 days. <laughs> and in the few weeks that I've been married, and noticed something new about our relationship dynamic. Uh, when we go out for a date, my wife Hannah will give me options. She'll say, same ice cream or fruit? And I say, ice cream. And she'll say, okay, fruit it is. And I say, uh, then she'll ask me, zoo or museum? And I say, zoo. And she'll say, okay, museum it is. And Star Wars or Star Trek? And I say, Star Wars. And she'll say, Star Trek it is. And I learned that some, there are some moments in life where I don't have much of a choice. And, <laughs> no. and Hannah already knows that I'm sharing this with you, so don't worry. <laughs> and let me tell you of a different instance. When I was young, or I should say when I was younger, one day my parents called a family meeting and gathered us in the living room. And uh, my sister and I were curious as to what was going on because we rarely had official family meetings. And at the meeting, my parents told us, Sam and say me that's my sister's name, we're sensing that God is calling us to the Philippines to, to go as missionaries. And would you guys, like, would you come with us? And to this day, I'm grateful they, that they asked us in the form of a question instead of saying, hey guys, let's pack up and go, we're leaving. But either way, like, I didn't have much of a choice. I was only 10 years old. And I remember being angry at God, and I, I asked him, God, why do I have to go to the Philippines because of the calling my parents have received? Like, you never said anything to me. And, uh, God, you didn't give me much of a choice. And I think this is sort of the voice that I hear from Jonah in today's text. At the end of chapter 2, Jonah is vomited out of the fish. And if it was fish big enough to consume an entire human being, you can probably guess that Jonah smells something like death itself. And while that fish vomit is still fresh and warm and maybe seaweed dangling on his ear, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. God repeats word for word what he said to Jonah in chapter 1. Jonah is brought back to the very beginning, literally back to square one. And this time, Jonah doesn't run away. Jonah finally obeys and goes to Nineveh. But if you know what happened in the first two chapters, he better obey, right? It's nearly been to death and back. And by now, Jonah has learned that he can't run away from God's presence. And Jonah was probably muttering something like Psalm 139, but while kicking the floor and somewhat sarcastically. Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to Joppa, you are there. If I get on a boat to Tarshish, you are there. And now I'm covered in fish vomit, and you're still here. And I bet he was still saying, God, I don't have much of a choice. So dragging his feet, Jonah eventually goes to Nineveh. And if we look at the text carefully, it says that Nineveh took, like it took, three full days to travel around Nineveh but Jonah only walks one third of the way into the city and preaches the shortest sermon ever preached forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned and I think it would have sounded more like this forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned Like, not wanting the Ninevites to hear his sermon it's only five words in Hebrew and his Heart was clearly not in his work. There is no mention of God, no mention of sin, no mention of repentance. Just proclamation of judgment. And the last word overturned in Jonah's sermon, or it's hapak in Hebrew, means to be destroyed. It's the same word used in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The city that was destroyed for its wickedness. And Jonah hoped for Nineveh to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Jonah obeys, but he didn't like what God told him to do. In Jonah's eyes, the Ninevites deserved to be destroyed. They deserved it. If you remember Pastor Sean's sermon on Jonah chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe I should ask a question here. Nineveh was a capital city of which country or which nation? Assyria, that's right? the Ninevites and the Assyrians were like cruel people, ruthless people who murdered Jonah's own people. They burned their home, they took their land, and they killed perhaps their family and the people that they love. The nation, entire nation of Israel has been wiped out by the Ninevites, by, by the Assyrians. And Nineveh was a place that made Jonah and people of Israel's blood boil. Of course, Jonah doesn't want them to live. He doesn't want them to repent. The Ninevites don't deserve a second chance. And oftentimes, when we read a story or watch a movie, we like to identify ourselves with the hero or the underdog of the story who comes out strong at the end. But not this one. Like Jonah doesn't seem like a very good prophet. And if you know how he acts in the next chapter, he doesn't seem like a very good person either. I mean, he eventually obeys, but he is reluctant, less than half-hearted, and even resistant in his obedience. And we don't want to see ourselves in a character like that. But I think this story is closer to our own than we want to admit. Jonah is not a freak. He's one of us. Yes, Jonah is reluctant, less than half-hearted, and even resistant in his obedience to go to Nineveh. But if we think about it, I think he had good reasons. It wasn't like he was commanded to preach to his own people. He was commanded to preach to his nation's enemy. And I think oftentimes this is true of our lives, too. Like We're not resistant for the sake of resistance. We're not disobedient for the sake of disobedience. I think we often have good reasons. You know, I, I like people, and I generally wish and try to work for the well-being of others. And I think God's grace should go everywhere in the world. But not Nineveh. There are just some people, just some, whom I'm not so sure of. A contemporary comparison of Nineveh that I can think of is ISIS, the extremist Islamic terrorist group who kill innocent lives and we hear about them on the TV, on the news. If God comes to you today and tells you go to Isis and preach the gospel to them. How many of us will say, here I am, Lord, send me. Wouldn't, wouldn't we also be reluctant and even resistant in our obedience? We would say, "Like no, 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 God. Like, forget about your mercy. Give them your justice. And I think without having to go that far, there are just some people just some, whom we're not so sure. If you've been watching the news, those Republicans, those Democrats, those people who shout blue lives matter or all lives matter, or those people who shout black lives matter, and if you are paying attention to synod this year, for some of you, it might even be those who seem to support same-sex relationship. And, and those who don't seem to support them. And I'm not trying to argue for one or the other. I'm just trying to make a case that like, no matter where you stand on the issue, if you have to go and talk to the person on the other side of where you stand, there is certain, certain reluctance and even resistance that comes up from our gut. Or imagine someone... Like, who has hurt you or made your life miserable? Like, not just for yourself, but for your, for your family, for your loved ones, for your friends. Like, there is also a gut reaction that, like, comes deep from within us. And perhaps we're not eagerly, like, like, licking our lips, waiting for their destruction. But we wouldn't be too joyful either if they were to come and join us. Krista is a single mom who lives in a mobile home with her nine-year-old son, Jaden. And Krista had Jaden with her boyfriend, Daniel, when she was in college. But he wanted nothing to do with her nor his son. And Daniel had a drug addiction. And when Jaden was about four years old, he left Krista and his son. And Krista was deeply hurt and hated Daniel for leaving her and her son. But she thought that this might be better for them in the long run. And a few months ago, it was Jaden's birthday. And when Krista asked Jaden like, what he wanted for his birthday, he gave her a disturbing answer. I want to see my dad and spend the day with him. And at that moment, Krista felt a rush of anger and sense of betrayal towards her son. Daniel was her Nineveh. Daniel was their Nineveh who deserved punishment, not mercy. How could Jaden possibly want to reconnect with his dad? Didn't he know what his father had done to them? She wasn't very happy with what Jaden wanted. And she had every reason to do so. Perhaps Daniel doesn't deserve a second chance. Perhaps ISIS and those people who stand on the other side of where we stand don't deserve a second chance. Perhaps those people who have hurt us and the people that we love do not deserve a second chance. God, forget about your mercy. Bring about your justice. And Jonah thought the same. In Jonah's eyes, the Ninevites didn't deserve a second chance. They deserved to be destroyed. But if we look at today's text, like a video or a Facebook post going viral on media, Jonah's message went viral. It swept through all of Nineveh, and his message even reached the ear of the king. And although Jonah went only one-third of the way into the city, although his sermon was somewhat vague and short, although Jonah never mentioned Nineveh's sin or God, verse 5 of today's text tells us that the Ninevites believed God. Like kids raising hands in their spelling bee, as soon as they heard Jonah speak, the Ninevites were like, me, 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 I repent. We repent, like the king and the cabinet of Nineveh declare a national day of repentance. From the king, even to the animals, they fasted from food and water, and they covered themselves in sackcloth. They put an end to their weapon production. They stopped their terror attacks and stopped taking people hostages. And they made peace with their neighbors. And in every respect, They they turned from their evil ways and violence, and they prayed to God for mercy. And after seeing all of this, in verse 10, we are told that God relents and withholds the destruction of Nineveh. Jonah proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And I mentioned earlier that the word overturned or hapak in Hebrew is the same word used in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. However, this word hapak also could mean to be transformed. And Jonah probably preached this message using the first meaning of the word, for Nineveh to be destroyed. But God used it for the second meaning, for the transformation of the entire city of Nineveh. Despite Jonah's reluctant and resistant obedience to go to Nineveh, God brings about his mercy to Nineveh. God uses Jonah as a witness in his work of transforming an entire city of their wicked ways and violence. And with a five-word sermon, Jonah has accomplished more than any other prophets put together. He He has converted the biggest city, the, ca- the capital city of his enemy's empire. But he fails to see what God does through him. In fact, he doesn't like, he, he doesn't like what he sees. In, chapters, in chapter 4, as we'll see next week, Jonah gets pretty upset. In fact, he's so mad that he would rather die. And it, If we look at chapter 1, 2, and 3, Jonah himself received mercy and deliverance from God, but he doesn't want it for Nineveh. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I think this is hard to swallow, but I think the grace in today's text is found in the fact that God's will will come in this world, and his redemption will reach all things, whether our heart is in it or not. God's kingdom will come with or without us. And the question is, how much do we want to experience and participate in the abundance and the blessing of God and of his mercy? For a few weeks, Krista couldn't get over the fact that Jaden wanted to see his father on his birthday. Daniel was their Nineveh who deserved punishment, not mercy. But because Krista loves her son, she eventually gave in to Jaden's request, gave Daniel a call, and visited visited him with Jaden on his birthday. And when Krista came to church on Sunday, she shared with the congregation all that had happened and said that Jaden had a great time and that Daniel was doing well. And at the end, she asked that the congregation would pray for Daniel, that he would continue to do well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if our own goals are ease and comfort, we will miss out on the best things that God is doing in this world. God can use even the worst things to bring about his kingdom. And the kingdom of God that we invite into this place, that we invite into our lives, that Jesus says is within us and around us, is a complex kingdom. It won't just continue to bless us in ways that fulfill our definitions. It will and it must transform us. And to be honest, I sometimes hate that God continues to command us to go to Nineveh and that he works through us and in spite of us. But for the exact same reason, I'm so glad that God works through and in spite of our reluctant and even resistant obedience to go to Nineveh. If If it was up to me, I would never go to Nineveh. If it was up to us, we would never go to the Ninevites in our lives. But God, out of his love, came to us who are his Ninevites. We who are enemies of God because of our sin. Like we have been reconciled to God through his death and resurrection. And God invites us to participate in that life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our God of Jonah, of Israel, of, jo- of Nineveh, and of all the earth continues to invite us over and over again that we may see beyond ourselves, that we may participate in his death and resurrection, that we may participate in the work of his kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, like Jonah, our obedience is often reluctant and even resistant, and so is our heart. And Father, we pray, we pray that we would be receptive to your mercy, not just for ourselves, but also for the Ninevites in our lives. Heal us of our hurt. Heal us of our greed and save us from our selfishness. God, you are good, and you will show your mercy to whom you show mercy, and you will enact justice. And we can't pick and choose who gets it and who doesn't. And Father, help us to have hearts that are excited not reluctant to follow you, that we would have the eyes to see where you're working and what, it is, and what it is that you want to share with us. Open our eyes and open our hearts that we may see and participate in the work of your kingdom in this world. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.